Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. It is The Big Show here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. David James sitting in for the vacationing. Jake Scott. What are you shuffling around over there, DJ? The Reeds. I didn't know if I was supposed to, if this segment was sponsored or not. Was, turns out it is. All right. Guess who it's good. sponsored by? I'm not sure who. Yo, you couldn't hear what he just said? I wasn't paying attention. Diamond Airport parking. Fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle services, detail, oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. It's the only airport valet service in Utah. Park and ride and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road, Diamond Airport Parking, bringing you the big show. All right. We've talked a lot about BYU and Utah College football during the show today, DJ, and I want to get back to that. And you're going to answer a question, so everyone tune in for this, because DJ is going to give you the single most important thing for each team in order to achieve victory. So he's got the secret over there, but I don't want it right this second. Oh. First, I'm going to say people are dumb. <laughs> well... Congratulations, you insulted everyone at the same time. <laughs> Ourselves included, probably. But anyway, yeah, the Jazz, according to data compiled from Twitter by a betting service, the Jazz are favored to win a title by people in one state. Louisiana. What, what state would that be? Louisiana, be where they Utah. still pine for the... Uh... <laughs> Utah, not Louisiana. Okay. <laughs> the Lakers are favored in the most states, 11. Hawaii. The Clippers. <laughs> the no, Cl- no, seriously, because uh, Prime Ticket was out there. They get a lot of Laker games. Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't they used to have their uh, preseason they, training camp I think they there? still go out there, yeah. Do they? Yeah. The Clippers are favored in seven states. Mm-hmm. The Bucks and Sixers also in seven states. The Celtics in six. New England. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. Nice. The Warriors in five. So that brings me to the question. The Rockets in three, and the Blazers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Pacers in one. I'm going to say the Lakers got Arizona. A lot of L.A. transplants there. (laughs) But in California, would it be the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Warriors? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know know the answer to that. I don't either because I didn't pay attention to individual states other than the Jazz. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of competition. Nevada. There. I would go with the Clippers. Nevada. So I go with the Lakers over the Clippers. That doesn't make sense to me. Because you're Nevada's fans. Because you're a fan. I'm not a fan. No, because I'm saying that's why most people do it. Because <laughs> they're fans. And and there's so many more people in Vegas than in Reno. And Reno's water country. And Vegas is uh, L.A. And it's Lakers. It's not the Clippers. So I would say Nevada 11. This is how you know how are the Lakers getting to 11? But are people not paying attention to the Clippers? I mean, who's going to score points on the Clippers this year? Well, uh, literally everybody. Um. Nice. <laughs> Who's going? To I get score your point, though. Efficiently against yeah. that team. I get your. I get your point. It seems like if you know if you can get LeBron close enough to the finish line, and we get mad LeBron this year because he's just you know last year was humiliating. He had to just take it, so now he's just you know just enraged. He's you know? busy with his entertainment. Uh, well, that's uh, I get that too. But, you know, can they get close enough to the finish line he can drag them over it? Um, I would guess the answer to that is LeBron no. better than Kawhi Leonard right now? That's an excellent question. How good can LeBron be coming off the injury? You know, at some point you look up and they, wow, he's not what he used to be. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis is a heck of a player. but uh, Yeah, I, but I in just, the postseason, do we know yeah. that he's going to be a heck of a player no. for the, the 16 games they have to win? But Kawhi, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, I mean, scoring against that team's going to be oh so yep. tough. Yeah, I think the Clippers are legitimately the number one pick, and they were who I would, I would pick right now. It's still wide open and it's a horse race, but you got to pick somebody. Pick them. Where do you rank the Jazz? Probably mm, fifth. Okay, so Fourth, you, fifth, what, sixth, and, somewhere and, in there. Who do you have in front of them? Clippers, anymore? Bucks. Um, Sixers, arguably Jazz. 
I think the Warriors are a huge wild card. I don't think they do it. I think the record for guys coming in at midseason when they haven't been playing isn't good. Um, there, did you know, I hear the Lakers in there anywhere yet? Six. Hmm. Yeah, I got my doubts about their ability. So got the Jazz they're not, a, they're the not a deep roster. They're, I think the Jazz have a good chance. I, I think the other one out there we have to figure out is Houston. They're swinging for the fences. I don't think it's going to work, but it might. I didn't think Chris Paul was going to work. Ultimately, it didn't, but I have to say they came Hopefully a whole close. lot closer than I ever thought they were going to. They're one injury away in the I, last second. I of didn't game. think they were going to be in a game seven with the, the Warriors. Warriors I, I know. I got to say that they overachieved versus what I expected. Um, I think for the Jazz, you know, just to eliminate the other 29 teams and just talk about the one that's popular around here. <laughs> well, okay. I think that they need to get top three. Uh, for a long time I said 55 wins. It's possible the West is so deep and there's so many difficult games that you can be top three and not get to 55. I think historically you usually need to, but there are certainly exceptions and last year was one of them. 55 would have made you number two last year. Denver got two with I think they finished on 54. Um, so I think the Jazz need to get two, three so they're in a series where they have a decent chance. A, they're better so they have a decent chance of winning. And B, they avoid one of the big dogs where they're just wildly overmatched, which is what they've been in in the playoffs three years in a row. In the series they've lost, they haven't been even close. Finally, last year, you know, if you if you if I gave you twenty minutes, you could probably talk yourself into it. Well, they were really figuring them out in games three, four, and five. They look different than one and two. You know, but I think they've just been overmatched these three years. And getting into a 2-3 series, a chance to win the second round without being overmatched. You talked about in college football if a team is two games better than it was mm-hmm. last season. That is seen as a yep. marked improvement. What about in the NBA five. in the regular season? Five games? Five. To me, every five is a stair step. I look at a 40-win team. I look at a 45-win team differently. I look at 50 different than 45 the same with 55 and so 60. So where's what's the relationship between the improvement that the Jazz made and the improvement the Western Conference Well that's made? the that's the thing that could kind of mess up the numbers and kind of a traditional look at the NBA is normally somebody's going up and somebody's going down and I think we have to wait to see who's going down until we see who gets hurt. Oklahoma City I think is going down. You can say that. They're going to win fewer games. Uh, but then you start looking at other teams and you're thinking well you're probably the same maybe a little worse. You know, like maybe San Antonio and Portland didn't improve, so they're going to slip. But they didn't get dramatically worse. I know some people don't like, after the, the two guards, they don't like the rest of Portland's perimeter players. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they really didn't help themselves with their wing guys. There's been a lot of that written and said. We'll have to see how that shakes out. Um, I do think Portland and San Antonio can slip, but I think that's because the rest of the West is – is getting better. Were you big on the Nuggets getting Jeremy Grant? Do you think that's a... a... I, I'm big on the Nuggets uh, for two reasons. One, I didn't think they were going to make that big a jump, and they did. And two, they still have a lot of young guys who ought to be able to get better. They have a lot of young guys. They should... I mean, we always talk here about the jazz and internal growth and all that. Well, look at how many guys are 23, 24, 25, 26, and still in that range where you should be improving. I think 27 to 32, that's your prime. That's a sweet spot. You can still get better in the postseason, but I think in the regular season, you largely you are who you are. It's one of the things that made the Joe Ingles story so great is that Joe was in an age where he should have been yeah. who he was, mm-hmm. but he improved Obviously, Mark. I mean, you didn't need to be, you know, some high end basketball mind to think, hey, that guy's gotten a lot better. Well, there was a need and there was an opportunity. Yeah, that helped, but he still had to, you know, improve the skill set and be prepared and all that. Okay, so some people think that it will take the Jazz a certain amount of time to adjust to one another, mm-hmm. to get into the flow, to become whatever it is they're going to be. Yep. Do you agree with that or? The other side of the argument is that you have veterans coming in who Mike Conley is a smart, heady, unselfish player that he'll be able to assimilate and and bring the team together quickly. Where are you on that one? I am uh, of that. I I think that's true, but I think the real optimism for the Jazz isn't this year. It should be the year after. And that's a little dicey in the NBA because things change so fast with guys getting traded and guys getting signed. There shouldn't be a lot of free agency – there aren't a lot of teams with cap room, and there aren't a lot of big names that'll be on the market. So after a wild summer this summer, next summer should be quiet, and then in two years it'll be crazy. And the Jazz will be right in the middle of that. They, they'll have a lot of money, 
and they'll have a lot of guys available unless they sign extensions between now and then. But as it sits right now, they're like everybody else. They're going to have oodles of money when a ton of players. I think that the second year is bigger than the first year. Yes, you are bringing some veteran guys, but still I think you get better the more you play together. You just read situations instantly. And I also think that it's one thing to get better in the regular season. Getting better in the playoffs is another thing. And Donovan Mitchell's still in the point in his career, and nobody wants to say anything bad about Donovan. He is the golden child, and everyone's just <laughs> holding their breath for him to be as awesome as possible. But you know the history of the NBA. Are you better in the playoffs your third year in the NBA or your fourth year? Whatever he learns this year in the playoffs, he should build on and improve the next year. You could argue that he's been counted on so much yes. in such a key role that he would be in advance of that in the third I, year. I agree. But he's still, he's never played in a conference final. He's never played in an NBA final. Stockton and Malone. Turn, look at the stand, statues, genuflect. <laughs> Stockton and Malone. You first, can't even see him. The trees are in the way. They are. The first two times they were in the conference final. Uh, well, the first time it was a good competitive series. Game five was in overtime, and it was 2-2. The second time, they got worked. The third time, they got beat in a seventh game. And then the fourth time, at 2-2, they took the series by the throat and won it on the road with a fourth-quarter rally. They couldn't do it the first three times they were in. I'm they not, couldn't do it the first time, two on, times they were with Hornacek. Yeah, yeah, but it's, Repetition's it's, it's a diff- great it's different teacher. now. DJ, you cannot apply the what fifth was time they were 20 in, years ago they what's happening swept now. the team, but I every, think that every, remains every, the same. Everything is quicker. Lots, of, Yes, but repetition's still a great teacher. Everything is quicker. I agree with that. The timeline is getting sped up. When you have 10 guys-ish, I don't know exactly how many the Jazz have, but lots of teams are in the, where you have somebody, an assistant coach has one or two people to work on player development with. They are speeding that up. I get that. Yes, I totally agree. But repetition is still a great teacher. What and about I, what about the idea, though, DJ, that this year, this coming year, there are other teams that are adjusting as well? And so That's true. everybody's on the fly That's a little true. bit, and everybody will be more settled the second year. I think there's a, I think there's a lot to that. Now, you, one thing you'd have to look at as you go through the rosters is who has key players that could be slipping. You know, the Nuggets are largely a young team that should be improving, but over here, Millsap's at a point where he should be slipping. Mm-hmm. You know, and so go across these other rosters. You know, how many veterans are the Lakers going to bring in, and how much are those guys going to slip? How much is LeBron himself going to slip? Yeah, you know. Yeah, so a lot I of think mileage on those. You days. have to look at at that as well. And then the other thing is that somebody this year is going to get crushed by injuries. And that team could be better the next year and be the team. And also, somebody who's good this year will get crushed in two years. Every year, there's a team or two that's crushed by injuries. Injuries the Lakers, scared the daylights out of the me. The Lakers were in fourth place on Christmas Day. Now, maybe you don't think they were going to sustain it, and it was fool's gold. I get that. But the fact is, they were not only in the playoffs, but on the path for home court in the first round. And they fell all the way out to the point that the last month, there wasn't much drama. We all knew they were out. So, do you think within the first... Ten games, is that uh, too early to expect the Jazz to have sort of achieve this repetition of what you're talking about to be uh, uh, running more smoothly? Or do you think that it's just going to take all season long and then the playoffs are a whole different beast? That's an awesome question, which is just a guess, I think, is that Quinn runs a pretty complicated system. Now veterans pick it up – sooner than kids, right? And, and Mike Conley's a point guard, and everybody who talks about him, man, he's just great teammate, right. highest basketball IQ, you know, off the charts and all that. But Quinn's going to tinker, and he's going to tinker with the bench. I think he's going to tinker with – we know the five guys who will finish games, who are going to play that last mm-hmm. stretch. That's one thing he'll tinker with. Will they put the last four minutes together, the last six, the last eight? Who's going to start on the bench? Who's going to start in? Is he going to start the, the five guys who are going to finish? Or is Joe going to come off the bench and a bench guy starts? And will it be the sixth or seventh guy? Or will they use the ninth or tenth guy and buy some minutes? Jeff Green yeah. said he had this conversation with Quinn before he signed. And he asked him directly, are you going? Is it going to be the same, or is it going to change? And he said it's going to change. And so that, that talks so, to the point that you were making that, about how things will be different, and there will everyone will have to adjust, not just the guys who are new this year. 
the history of Quinn is the second half record for the Jazz. Literally every year is better than the first half record. Well, that's one been, year was by because of the schedule. One I mean, game, sometimes it is schedule. One time it's by one game. One time it's by seventeen. But I also think watching them play just to the eyeball test, I think there's usually three distinct. They start slow, the middle's better, and they really finish fast. And Partly you want that because you want to be peaking at the playoffs. I mean, if I told you, hey, they were great early, but man, they were four and eleven going into the playoffs. Well, nobody wants that. So, well, for them to win fifty-five games, they can't start slow. That, and that's the thing: there are degrees of starting slow. If the first third of the season is still their worst the season, uh, worst portion of the season, okay. But in that third, those twenty-seven games, did they win ten or did they win seventeen? You know, if you start seventeen and ten, and then you improve in the next two, great. But you can dig a hole. You're right. How difficult? I, I mean, here's here's the thing. I, I I think about these things sometimes, and I wonder how it's all going to come together. Mike Conley having the uh, the 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 wealth of experience he's had from the past. How long before he understands where Donovan likes to get the ball, or where Joe likes to get the ball, or how you know that high, the infamous high pass mm-hmm. into Rudy? Uh, I mean, I, I assume he's studying film right now to figure some of these things out. Right, and I think they get a lot of that, but a lot of it also depends on how the defense plays you. So there's not only you know how are the Jazz going to bring this along and come together, but how long before opponents who are scouting three or four teams a week mm-hmm. get a good read on the Jazz and say, okay, they figured that out, we're taking that away now. I mean, when Donovan drives in the playoffs, there were often two or three Rockets right. in the paint. And why Be- was that? Because Jazz couldn't shoot from the perimeter. Right. But when you shoot from the perimeter, are they still going to take the layups and dunks away? Because now they're conceding a wide-open three to Bogdanovich or to Ingles. Or are they going to say, three's more than two. We'll just have our big man and whoever's guarding Donovan try to take that away. We're staying home on all three shooters. Well, if that happens, then Donovan is going to have open paths to the basket because he's very difficult to guard one-on-one. And we may see that. We may see a lot of two versus one where Donovan gets free of his guy in a pick and roll and he's headed in the paint and Rudy's rolling and he's just got to decide, am I going to finish this or am I going to throw it up and let Rudy throw it down? That's why, to your point about about how the Jazz are going to react, how Mike Conley, when he studies film, he's looking at a team where defenses were leaving Ricky Rubio and uh, Crowder wide open for threes. They were begging those guys to shoot the threes. That will not be the case this year because if Mike Conley is standing out the three-point line and has uh, very little interference, or Bogdanovich, are you kidding me? Corner threes, he's going to be hitting 50%. But what happens when the starting five aren't on the floor and Quinn has to decide how many bench guys to play at once and how many minutes to play some of these guys? What happens when Dante Exum is on the floor? Let's say he's on the floor with Donovan Mitchell and let's say uh, Rudy's in the game, Mm -hmm. but Ingles and... um, uh, Bogdanovich, only one of them is in the game. Maybe uh, maybe Royce O'Neal is in the game or, or Niang's in the game. So now all of a sudden, are Niang and Exum going to hit perimeter shots? Are they going to be able to get to the hoop? Houses? They're not going to have five shooters on the floor all the time. Royce They're going to have nice... five on the floor at the end. And is Royce going to be every bit as dependable as the other guys? He's been good in the role he's in. Last year he had a high shooting percentage. I totally agree. But he's going to be asked to be in a bigger role, so there's going to be more pressure on him. How quickly is he going to embrace that and just dominate his role? You know, for the role he was asked, he was a dominant player in that role. Uh-huh. Now it's bigger. What happens when there's an injury and he's got to finish games? How does yeah. he handle that? Jake's really high on on Royce. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not down on Royce, but I I'm still in that mode of uh, I need to see more. Kind of like what you we just all described. we all need to see more. If I had to bet right now, I bet he gets it done, but I can't guarantee you that. I, his his trajectory's been really good. I think he's really good, but he's still going to be asked to do things he hasn't. You're going to play more minutes. You're going to play a bigger role. You're going to play, play later in close games against. You know, it's one thing to be on the floor as a backup and annihilate other backups. It's another thing to be on the floor with backup or to be on the floor with starters being defended by a starter when you're respected and well scouted and have mm-hmm. this elite player really look at you and think, okay, I'm shutting you down. But maybe the coach doesn't believe that. Maybe he's the guy left open. And then, okay, let's see if you can get a big shot at the end well, of the Joe game. Ingles is, is, the, is the rare exception, like you were talking about, that he did step into that role, although last year in the playoffs he struggled against the, 
the Rockets uh, with what they were doing with him and forcing him to go in a direction he was uncomfortable with. I just think it's going to be more difficult for defenses against the Jazz to control them the way they have. I think it's a freaking miracle what Quinn has done with that team with, with the offensive or the lack thereof talent. Uh, at that end of the floor. And he's going to have more, and that's a positive, but he's also going to have more expectations and going to expect a higher level of results. So that's going to be offset. (laughs) if, if If I'm Mike Conley, I'm bringing the ball down the floor, and I see that, is Bogdanovich's man going to leave him? No. Is Donovan's man going to leave him? No. Is my man going to leave me? No. And so I'm going to maybe execute a few passes, a pass to a pass that leads to Donovan Mitchell that leads to him driving to the basket for two. And I understand that three is more than two, but uh, I, I still think when you have Donovan Mitchell moving toward the basket, you've got an advantage there sure. that you can take advantage. Same thing with Rudy Gobert. A dunk is only two, but it, it's more than that psychologically. It's more than that mentally. It takes a toll on a team. We saw him with leading the league in dunks last year. It could be even higher this time around. So the question is, is the bench going to be good enough to play together so that the starting five get to play together more, or are they going to have to piecemeal it and ham and egg it all the way through the game? Who do you see on the bench? Uh, Who do you see as the, the first-line guys uh, bench players? Well, some of them, I think... Uh, is it Royce? Absolutely, Royce. Is it, um, do you Dante. think Joe is going to come off the bench? Do you believe that talk? N- yes. Actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Um, but I don't think of it as a bench guy. Role. I think more of like the five guys who close the games yeah, and then the five the guys finishers. behind them. Yeah. You know, and they brought in they brought in a couple veteran guys, you know. So I think Green is in that group. You know, how does he perform? Dante Exum's in that group. How does he perform and does he stay healthy or does he get hurt and we got another move another guy into that group and figure out, you know, who it is. I mean they figure it out, we don't figure it out. We just sit up here and second guess. <laughs> Good for us. All right. Uh, Niang. Yang, O'Neal, Green, um, Dante. Yang, O'Neal, Green, Dante, and who? Ed Davis? Yes, Davis. Yes. Better put a big guy out there. So that's yeah. that's the, that, those that idea is the, in the second, second quarter. The second you, that's five. who you're going to see. Uh, maybe end of the first. I mean, how they're going to be rotated, and are they all going to play together, or are two or three of them going to play at a time? And that's all the stuff that's got to be figured out. And there is a an answer – and there's a wrong answer, and there's a right answer, and there's a better answer. And you've got to figure it out and get to your best answer in time for the playoffs. What are the best groups? Good, who really compliments? There you have yeah, it. Yeah, who really compliments? Well, there's, a, Preach, there's, there's also wrong. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> there's wrong. Now, if you have 10 players who are good enough, even when you have a couple injuries, you still have eight good players, so there's still an answer that ought to work. But when we talk about wrong, we're talking about against the best teams at the highest level. Have you ever noticed, DJ, that when you're in the middle of DJ and PK every morning and you are discussing an issue and you get deep into it and it turns into a debate, not so much an argument, but a debate, and you are driving a point home and you're making good sense that PK at that time changes the argument and moves the target? I I have never noticed that. You know who's picked up on that and is emulating that? Jake Scott. Loser. <laughs> Stealing PK shtick. Get your own stick. Had to be careful when I said that. <laughs> uh, love them both. Join Scotty and Hands Thursday, August 22nd from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East, uh, Suite 204. Okay, if interest of full disclosure, I might have done it a time or two myself. <laughs> One time, and this is a long time ago, we were in the conference room. Oh, we yeah. were at 1280 the first time, uh-huh. right? They, they didn't really believe that it was going to work. They didn't fully invest in a radio studio yet. So we're in a conference <laughs> room. You can literally hear people walking by with their conversations. And it's like sitting around grandma's dining room. A little room bit, too. right? And the tables would just sat on the mic, and then you had to lean over, and they had to soar back the whole time. <laughs> uh, now they, you know, they got the arm there in the air, and you can adjust them. Great. Uh, and so we're in there, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember – taking a position that I didn't 60% believe in, I didn't even 80% believe in, I literally 100% believed in, and I was getting annihilated. And furthermore, not only was PK annihilating me, I suddenly realized, yeah, I was wrong. I mean, I was legit, like, this was no act, no, you know, and I was 
I was desperate, and I pulled a PK. I'm not kidding you. you I do? grabbed the target, and I moved it to another wall. <laughs> and when he got close, I grabbed it and moved it again. And I actually, it was working. And I remember sitting there going, this is awesome. This is how he does this. I love this because I was getting crushed. And furthermore, I deserved to be crushed. I was wrong. <laughs> and then I moved it again, and finally, he got a little befuddled. He's like, hey, you're moving the target. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I got called on it. Oh, I moved you? it one time too many. Oh, what's Dang good it. for the goose? Yeah, but when you're, in a, when you're in an argument... Try it sometime. Move the target. It's fabulous. So it's if, a great you're, if you're wrong, move the target. Well, it depends on who you're arguing with and what you're arguing about. I mean, we're arguing sports about two guys who sit around and talk about sports. So, yeah, go ahead and move the target. You know? <laughs> it's, you know, your spouse about raising kids. You might want to come clean. <laughs> so, you know, you got you got to pick your situation carefully. I mean, we were probably arguing about football or basketball because we talk college football and NBA basketball a lot. Something tells me if you start moving the target uh, with the wife, you, you could end up in trouble. Again, you got to pick your spots carefully. Okay. You got to know the down and distance, Gordon. <laughs> Just as we go to break here, and when we come back, we're going to uh, explain in detail what BYU has to do to win, what Utah has to do to win in order, you know, in the rivalry game. But as we go to break, I need to hear Ball You Man. Now, to, to, <laughs> this isn't going to mean anything to anybody. It's not going to mean anything, but, but DJ was so, a high school basketball player. That was a long time ago. And he had a coach <laughs> who used to be rather a, a uh, hired, animated about how DJ should a, play defense. A hired gun. He'd done some college and pro stuff, and he was, I guess, a, just a legend for the generation. Bob Kloppenberg. Bob Kloppenberg. Yeah. And, and so he walks into Short, the gym. Shorter guy. Uh-huh. A little older. I mean, he was in good shape for his age, but at that point, he was... I don't even know how old he was. He was like Yoda. Okay, he was like 800 <laughs> years old. And he had a few wisps of hair. And he had, but he had the energy. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. He had the energy of a 20-year-old on a Red Bull. Okay? Tons of energy. And he totally believed in defense. The best basketball practices don't have a basketball. You know, you're, kind of like, you're 14 and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? So 14, no 15, 16 years old? Yeah. All right. So, and so he he's was, in there. So you always had to see the ball. And he always had to see the man. He had to split the difference, and he had all the rules on one step away, two steps away. And then he'd be start screaming. He'd put you in these drills, and as he moved the ball, we'd have to move. And there'd be like three or four rows of four guys or whatever, right? It'd be more than that because he had the varsity and JV together. They brought him in as a consultant hired gun. So you'd have all these kids, and he'd be moving the ball left, right, you know. And and, and whenever he raised it, you know, you had he'd just start screaming. He'd had, he'd stand on the edge of the drill, so you like had to look at the basket and see him in the peripheral vision, you know, and all that, and then react and, and move and slide. And, oh my gosh! And he'd just go on and on. Your your quads would just be burning, just screaming. He'd, ball, you man! He'd be ball faking. He'd make you all scream. And it, oh, it's nonstop. And you had the hands out, pointing at one guy, pointing at the other, and then you watch an NBA guy. <laughs> Game guys are just kind of sliding around. You're like, wait a minute, James Harden, listen to Bob. <laughs> All right. Well, but we had to do what Coach wanted or you didn't get to play, so, you know. Okay. Well, we'll... Uh, we'll <laughs> Turned get... out none of us were even remotely as skilled as James Harden. <laughs> so he doesn't have to play defense, huh? No. All right. We'll, uh, we'll fix uh, the BYU-Utah game and uh, what needs to happen coming up next right here on The Big Show. Austin, DJ, I am a huge fan. Gordon... Anyway, just wanted to call in and say that I think BYU has a real chance of beating Utah as long as they're doing what's right on and off the field. Well, uh, if uh, if it depends on uh, living right off the field, then uh, something must be horribly wrong in Provo these days. Uh, they've lost eight straight. BJ? And, but yesterday, Gordon, you said it was a godless game, so... Kind of did, didn't I? No, not kind of. That's what you said. <laughs> Yesterday got kind of weird there for a while, didn't it? Because we were trying to decide, DJ, Scotty and I were, and Austin as well, which side of the rivalry Moses would have been on. You're on your own there. Okay. <laughs> I can think of a lot of so things to say, and did, did, none of them are appropriate. It's really better if I'm quiet now. Didn't somebody say that Moses would be a running back because he was used to carrying the rock? 
I didn't see that, but that sounds like you went home and wrote that and then came back with it today. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's get a little bit serious here. We're guessing at this point. But, DJ, the big game's only nine days away now. If I were to ask you, what does Utah have to do to win the game? You would say, what? Win the turnover battle. Because the only way Utah is going to lose this game is if they turn the ball over? It's not the only way, but it's the most likely way. I just think turnovers have been a great predictor of whether Utah wins and loses in the Kyle Whittingham era. I don't think it's particular to any one opponent. Uh, I mean, it's, it's important in lots of games, in lots of matchups, but it seems to be especially important to Kyle and his teams. And he sold it really hard. Maybe it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in some way. But I, I just think that's... That's just critical for them. When BYU is the underdog the way they are, they have to find an edge somewhere along the way. We've talked about, yesterday we talked about emotion and the part it plays in football. By the way, do you think football is the most emotional game as far as it becoming a factor in uh, in who wins and who loses? Because an emotional basketball team might not be as effective as an emotional football team. Yeah, I agree. agree or disagree? I agree. I would think that emotion, um, what would compare? What sport would even be close to football? I couldn't think of one because baseball, not that way. No, 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 no. No, I mean, it's like boxing or rugby maybe. Yeah. Sports that are really physical. Yeah. Um, But on the other hand, it can become a detriment if it it fogs your memory. It can. I think the the quarterback can't play with the emotion. Literally everybody else can. You're right. As long as it doesn't, you know, you start blowing assignments because you're, you know, crazy out of your mind, hyperventilating. Okay, for okay, so for BYU to win this game, is it the same answer? They have to win the turnover battle. Oh, uh, it's is a it good answer. Like- I mean, I think you're asking a question that has a lot of good, a lot of right answers. Mm-hmm. A lot of you know, you can pick out one thing and say this is really important. If I had to pick out one, uh, is you is BYU going to be able to block Utah's front four? Yeah. That's exactly what I have. If they if they Number can't one. block the front four, then it's all over. And I bring it up because there's a chance they can't. It's a strength. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's there's a strength a against strength. This is really the best part of BYU's team. Uh, Hans has been talking about this, and I think he broke some film down. But that offensive line for BYU, it has a lot of talent on it. Some people have projected that three of those guys could play in the he, NFL. Obviously, the defensive front for the Utes, well, three of those guys are heading to the NFL, if not more. So this is where push comes to show. I was uh, I, I was actually listening today, and it was um, it was probably twelve thirty, give or take a little bit. And he was talking about his film breakdown that he puts up on the website. Yeah. And he was talking about the opportunities that BYU's offensive line created against the defensive line. He was talking about, you know, guys being left unblocked and what they did and how they did it. And all I could think was, if Hans saw it, and Kyle saw it, and Morgan saw it. <laughs> and that means the players have seen it, and they've been challenged. Uh-huh. Anybody who was left unblocked on purpose, not because somebody blew an assignment, has had that pointed out like, yeah, they're not blocking you. (laughs) (laughs) In case you didn't notice. In case you didn't notice. They're not blocking you. So it's interesting that, um, you know, and you see this more, and obviously BYU's not playing conference games, but you see this in conference games and the Utes in the Pac-12, but it's weird that they're playing BYU at the end of the season and at the start, and I'm going up tomorrow to talk to the Utes. I've already done the interviews with the Cougars for talking sports on Sunday with both teams talking about the rivalry, talking about how unique it is to play in the opener and all that. And, you know, does it matter that's the opener? And everyone had these different takes on why it really mattered, but they were all different. But a couple of the BYU players uh, brought up, well, it matters because the last game is so fresh. We literally, it's one of the last two games that we played. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's in our mind. Of course, we can remember it. It's not buried by, you know, hundreds of plays that have come since then. It's fresh, the lead, you know, that we had that we didn't hold on to. And so everything builds off of that when you're playing somebody twice in three games. They did it with UCLA like a decade ago. And they, they met them in a bowl game in Vegas and then played them again early in the season. And so I think it's kind of unique. All of that stuff is fresh. And they have a chance, both teams have a chance to build off of it. So I wonder, the reason I think that the offensive line is so key for BYU is obviously because Utah's defense is just stellar. But 
They have to. It's, it's basic stuff. They have to create some space for Tyson Williams to, and who is impressed in practice, and they think he's going to be really good. He won't be good if the guys up front don't do right. their job. And obviously, Zach Wilson can't throw the ball when he's on his back. And and so, can they handle that, or uh, or will it be a shortcoming? I I don't know the answer, but I'm I am intrigued to find out. I think you can come up with like a easy, you know, top three or top five list of things that you're watching for both teams. What else? Because you got? well, I would go to the Utes kicking game. These games are routinely close since the, in the Pac-10 era. Actually, in the in the winning streak, which goes back into the Mountain West. Uh, there's only been one game decided by more than a touchdown, and then the year before that it was overtime. So really, you can go back to your Sugar Bowl season 08 for, to find a second blowout. So you've gotten one blowout in a decade. So they, they play these closed games. Well, okay, if it's a closed game and you miss a couple field goals, what do you got? A different winner. Yeah. That's what you got. Yeah. So how good, how good are the Utes going to be in special teams? They, they might be great. You know, they, they picked the wrong guy last time, and after one kick they switched, and then they had the right guy. So college football is a weird sport because there's no, there's no preseason games. You know, college basketball, they get a couple exhibition games. You don't get anything. You, you go right into your first game, you know, and coaches like to say, oh, you go right into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, well, in this case, you're going into a rivalry game. You're really going <laughs> in the deep end of the pool. And that's, now you've struck something that I feel passionate about, and the fact is that the NFL has all these dumb preseason games absolutely ridiculous and yet the college guys where every game is so very important they're expected to perform right from jump preseason games ought to be outlawed dumb preseason games might be what you call them i believe there are 32 owners who call them lucrative preseason games <laughs> hence they will not be outlawed because perhaps they will be negotiated away you have to pay the price for that if you want here's your here's game. what Here's what you have to do if you're going to be a billionaire. It's a list of things, but one of them is not walk away from easy money. <laughs> okay. And NFL that's, preseason games, those are easy money. You got any other financial advice for anybody? No, that's out pretty there? much it. I'm a thousandaire, so, you know. Because <laughs> Austin needs some financial advice. He, he's craving it. So, do you got something? For him? Actually, he's doing something else. He's looking at you like, what are we talking about and why? <laughs> I, it's the most unsettling feeling <laughs> when I'm working on something for the show and I just hear Austin. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who? Uh, just ki- I'm just kidding around. I do need money, though. Yeah. Do you want to give me some? DJ, give him some money. I'm sorry, I thought I was talking to you. Oh, no, I, 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 I was, was talking to, to the royal you. <laughs> Anybody will hand you free money. Who's Austin talking to? Anybody who's about ready to hand over 10 bucks? Mankind, really, I don't <laughs> Hey, you know, isn't that what they do on these GoFundMe things? People just ask I think for they're slightly bucket. more charitable and benevolent in Are their they? requests. Or does anybody just say, hey, uh, pass along five bucks? I'm sure there's some scumbags out there doing that. Yeah. Is that scummy? Yes! Well, to to use a charitable-minded website? Is that what that is? Only charity? You can't use I don't that know. for I, other things? I think typically it's used to further a, a more charitable cause than, hey, I want to get a bite to eat because I <laughs> just want to. But you're a hard-working man who's supporting your family. I'm a working man, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about hard-working. You heard the show today, right? All right. So what else is uh, on our list? I, I would say another question. Zach Wilson, his effectiveness against Utah Secondary. And obviously, he can't do it alone. We talked about Matt Bushman being important. But will those wideouts down in at BYU, did you talk to any of those guys, any of the so-called playmakers, DJ, who, who are really being dependent on to step up this time around? Uh, yes, I have talked to some of them. They, you know, they're pretty confident. But, I mean, you're supposed to be confident now. Who's so. the guy? Hefo? Is that, is that their deep threat? Is that who they, can they count on him? Micah Simon? Uh, Gunnar Romney? Gunner, you know, is Gunnar Romney going to, you know, have a big year? Is he going to have a big game in the rivalry game and then have a big year? Sophomore, figuring it out, 6'3", played for a really good high school football team, but had a really good quarterback and wide receiver opposite, so maybe it made the game easy for him. You know, it doesn't it doesn't always translate level to level, high school to college and college to pro. These are the kinds of matchups though that I find fascinating with Johnson and Blackman in that backfield. How will these guys be able to do? I I I it's the first game of the year. I, I don't know. All it, I know is those guys have to be effective. Beyond just the jet sweep and stuff like that, they have to be able to 
get chunk yardage. If they Does, don't, they're not going to. It's going to be difficult for BYU's offense just to march down the field in ten plays and score a touchdown. Does Zach Moss get twenty carries? Does Zach Moss get hundred yards? Because the numbers when he gets those two things are off the charts in favor of the Utes. I think he when will. he gets those things, I, think he I will. do too. It really seems like they have an offensive coordinator for whom that will be automatic. <laughs> because it'll be an emphasis. Right. That's, that's, and if he gets 18, then they were probably either way ahead or way behind. It's a close game. He's getting his 20, I think. If, if he ends up with a game where he has 18, um, you know, okay, well, they were blowing Northern Illinois out, so, you know, you give another running back yeah. some experience and got him in there. Or, or you're down by three touchdowns, the clock's against you in the fourth quarter, so you got to throw the ball. I mentioned earlier that Zach Moss could be the most important Ute. You kind of shot that down. Uh, who is the most important Cougar? I think it's Wilson. I think you just default to the quarterback in this in this spot. They're putting a lot on him. He's a sophomore. Uh, you know, he might be ready. He got he got six games under his belt. You know, I mean, they really. I know they coach every game to win the game. And winning games is important, especially when coming off four and nine. But you just can't look at the big picture last year and tell me that they weren't handling the quarterback situation with an eye on 2019. Hmm. They didn't want to put Zach in that first, you know, at the start of the season when he wouldn't be ready, when they were playing these really good Power Five teams, and have him be overmatched. So you have him around the game, more practices, get him a few snaps if you can. And when the schedule lightens up midseason, there's going to be a quarterback switch. And I missed it by a week. <laughs> so, so test, I'm going to test your memory because Zach Wilson last year against the Utes picked up a bunch of yards on mm-hmm. the ground. Do you remember how many? Ballpark? No, I'd have to look it up. Remember how effective he was? Zach Wilson? Yeah. 76. Against oh, the Utes? Last yeah. season, yeah. Do you expect him to be able to even approach that number? Or will the Cougars even ask him to do that? Some of those were on broken plays or scrambles or whatever. I wonder how that's going to go. Well... A Rod having sorry seventy three seventy three seventy three okay. having talked to A Rod about that he's going to run but pick the spots he's not a battering ram mm-hmm. he's not as big as Taysom Hill he can't carry it and just you know Coming he, off just, an injury. he just can't do it but he is going to run partly because all quarterbacks do because you have to scramble and if there's a little design thing in every now and then depending on the situation absolutely but I think he'll run but he won't be used like a battering ram but the other thing is. As everything slows down, as you realize stuff, there are great times for quarterbacks to run. I would never want to put, you know, you can't run. You catch that other team in man defense, and the defensive back's heads are turned. If you make one guy, you get out of the pocket, you make one guy miss, big chunks of yardage, 10, 20, 30 yards, it's I, go time. I think the same thing when Utah has the ball. When, Tyson, uh, when um, Pick your Tyler spots. Huntley, right. he's going to be in a situation. And BYU has struggled against these kind of mobile quarterbacks at times as long as the guy can hurt them through the air as well. That's going to be interesting to see how BYU handles his ability to do that because you have to be aware of it. Right. And BYU has struggled at times putting pressure on the quarterback and containing the quarterback. Uh, and last year they had Taki Taki and they had Corbin Kafusi. They don't have those guys anymore. I think that with, with Huntley, you've seen uh, at Washington State, this field was split open. Guys, I mean, he just went right up the middle of the field. It was the easiest touchdown ever. I mean, you can grind out 30 or 40 yards, or you get everybody's back turned, the middle of the middle third's open, and he's gone. You know, and he did it a couple other times. And obviously, they threw to him, too. They had that trick play against Arizona. You know, you can, you can use his athletic ability without using him like a battering ram. I really just don't think those guys need to take that many hits, you know, between the tackles. All right, uh, to close out the 5 o'clock hour coming up, I have a very controversial issue that I want to discuss with you, DJ. Austin, does that worry you? Because it worries me a little bit based on how the last 2 hours and 51 minutes has gone. It should. Okay, all right. How many times did you dump me today? 17. (laughs) We're actually out of delay for the rest of the month. That's not how it works. (laughs) I want to find out from DJ also what his least favorite drop of him is. Is. I thought that's what this was that oh, you were teasing. Well, we'll, oh, we'll okay. do that as well. Uh, we're running out of time here, but we'll get to it next. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. You're a cat guy, and I thought immediately of you. My wife and I were out in the driveway. Across the street, a cat fight breaks out. Just... 
the cat that was running away was not fast enough. Uh-huh. And the cat chasing it was really good at fighting. I'm sitting there going, okay, do I go in and intervene? Do I get in between these cats? And they chase under a truck in a driveway and one of the cats emerges and the other one never emerged. Could I and should I have done something? You are absolutely responsible for this. It's a life and death situation here. You sat there and watched this whole thing. Now, I don't, I can't confirm if there was a death or not. I only saw one cat leave. We know what that means. <laughs> Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The best coverage of the Utah Jazz in the NBA is right here on The Big Show. Kick it. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 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 With a spectacular rack. What happens first? Look into your crystal ball. Pardon? And (laughs) white. And you kind of created a Gordon moment right there. You said you, you you judged Gordon pretty harshly, and then you just put those together in the order you put them. That was your voice, sir. Yes, but you just took three <laughs> clips from three different years and put them together in a certain order. I'm like the bailiff. I just bring the evidence to the judge. <laughs> well, uh, David James, uh, good enough to sit in with us today. So I get I get that. <clears throat> Great. So what, what uh, DJ, of all the, the drops that Yach likes to throw at you during uh, DJ and PK every morning from 6 to 10, which ones sort of stick in your craw a little bit? Which ones are you least happy with? Well, I don't with? really want to tell you the least one because then you just play it more often. Um, <laughs> He's on to us. But the one that legitimately cracked me up in the moment it happened that we laughed hard about was the one you played the the NASCAR when I tried to say spectacular wreck and with a spectacular wreck. It's one vowel. It's one vowel, and look at all the trouble it causes. Monday morning the enthusiasm in the in the uh, you well, that's a separate story. I'll tell you about. Who that. were you looking at when you said that? I was looking at the piece of paper with the the script on it. Okay. Uh, PK was off. Pace Manion was in that morning. Oh. And I said it and thought, uh-oh. And I looked up and Pace was on delay because he was tired too. He's on delay. As he processed. Whoa. <laughs> well, he meant, but he said, whoa. And he looks up with a slightly terrified. He's looking at my face and then he just started laughing. It was funny. And then we laughed for about half an hour. How about the Debbie one? That was kind of embarrassing. You don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I've been one for a long time. <laughs> All right. If she handles it, great. You know, but it still makes fun of her, so that's not so PK loves that one. Oh, you no. meant she sounded like a Rebecca more than a Debbie, yeah. No, I, oh. I think it was Doug or something. I don't know. <laughs> so it was that, because that's how it happened. In those days, they had a computer screen, and our producer at the time would routinely type the wrong name on the wrong line. And. So I assumed he'd gotten it wrong and thought and that, oh, man. So he got it right that day. And there had been other days where it had been, you know, hey, Tom, and, you know, it was Jill or whatever. It's brutal. Well, so at anyway. least uh, nobody has put together all your sort of funny moments and made an entire show out of it. That's a positive. Yeah, I don't know anyone that would do the, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Who would do that, Austin? I don't know. Maybe a producer I did enjoy, who's says he's fat every day. <laughs> I did enjoy – wow. I did enjoy uh, the Jake from the Pac-12, the shorter one. The longer one, I thought it lost some of the impact. The shorter one, it was just peppy, 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 peppy. Why don't we, Which is uh, hard to do to be on the radio that long. I've done it a couple times. There were times where PK and I did our show, and then we filled in and did the Jim Rome show. And at the end of it, I was just exhausted. So to stay on the air down there, Pac told me today for all those hours, and it's still all that pep, it's harder than you think. You're like, oh, it's radio. You're just sitting there. I get that. But you lose your edge at some point. You just can't talk for eight hours. Why don't we close out the hour by playing the shorter version of Jake's and his uh, peppy hi, how are yous? Hi, Cameron. Hi, how are you doing? We're great, man. How are you? What's up, Zach? Hi, Troy. How are you? What's up, Nick? How are you? Miles, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? How, how are, are you? you? Coach, good afternoon. How are you doing? What's up, Liam? How are hey, you? Man. Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Chris, first of all, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing, man? What's up, KJ? How are you this fine day? Hi, Coach. What's going on, Justin? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, how are things? What's up, JJ? What's going on, Jamar? How are you? I say, what's up, man? How are you? Thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? How you doing, Nino? Thanks I'm, for joining I'm, us. Coach, it's great to see you. How are you? Coach, good afternoon. How are you doing? How are you, man? Casey, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Bradley, what's up, man? How are you? Herm Edwards with us on the Zone Sports Network. Coach, it's great to see you. How you doing? Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Hello! We've got the 
Take DJ, thanks for sitting in today. We do appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. I've sat in when you're here and done the show with Jake, but it's been a while since I've, I've done the show with you. Yeah. Uh, you got PK later this week, we, too. We, yeah, I do a couple times, yeah. I think, in Bowler. Is going to be polar in, on so, Thursday, uh, so or Friday, I think. Friday, we, yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, we talked about BYU Utah at length. We talked about the Jazz. We talked about some crazy. We talked about uh, your old coach Bob Kloppenberg. There he is. We covered a lot of territory. <laughs> we talked about moving targets. We almost got fired a few times. Yeah, <laughs> Gordon did uh, three inappropriate things during this no, show. I mean, I mean three in the first hour. Hold on now. When you say that, it sounds like I said something dirty or something, and I did. Well, yes. Warmer? No. Warmer? No, 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 no. Dirty's relative, no. but the FCC believes that that would be the case. <laughs> can, I, can I say the words happy ending on the air? No. Dump them again. And you, th- those never made the air that time either. Good work, bravo! See how quick I was with that beep beep. Uh, all right, I'm the best. Well, I didn't. I didn't know that that was bad. I. I, I, I That's I mean, not true. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> you knew that was less than ideal. Well, well, it may not have been ideal, but it's not like it was some sort of filthy talk. You know? Well, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> okay. I mean, granted, it wasn't the magic word. I'll give you that. <laughs> but word. nonetheless, <laughs> it wouldn't get you thrown out of a ball game. I, I bet, I bet, thirteen-year-old Gordon didn't make that joke in front of Grandma at Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, Grandma wouldn't have cared. She might have. No. <laughs> Your mom would have cared. No, she wouldn't have. She absolutely would have cared. You think? And your dad probably wouldn't have cared, but he would have cared when he found out how much your mom cared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, right? Now I understand. But anyway, thanks for sitting in today, DJ. Austin, nice work behind the glass. Thanks As for not usual. getting us power, uh, fired today, <laughs> probably. Yeah, thanks well, for the, we the, the day is young. Yeah. The day is young. Troy Williams, former Utah quarterback, joined us. Now he's uh, flinging the ball for the Edmonton Eskimos up in the Canadian Football League trying to win the Great Cup. Long way to go. It's still August. Yeah. That's Thanksgiving When day. is their season? Thanksgiving. So it's it's it now. Is it starting? Yeah, they're, they're in their regular season now. They're, they're like in August to uh, they start four to six weeks earlier or something because mm-hmm. of the weather and they finish at Thanksgiving. Yeah. All right. Anyway, thanks for sitting in. We do appreciate it. We hope Jake Scott's having a great week. You hope it's raining wherever he is. <laughs> Why you got to be like that? No, I, I hope he's having a great time. Wonderful friends, family, loved ones, enjoying his time, and I hope it's raining. I mean both wholly and sincerely. Man, not me. I hope he has plenty of sunshine and is enjoying the Well, you can't the, have a good time in the rain? <laughs> Single rain, I guess. Will you take us out uh, uh, no. singing in the rain? Nope. Mm-mm. Do you know the words? Nope, never heard of it. Next question. Did you know that Austin was a big uh, show tune guy? Well, that's not how I would put it. But. I was going to say, that doesn't even seem remotely close to true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks to you guys. Thanks to our listeners. We do appreciate the fact that you uh, dial into the show. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks, and we'll talk with you. Well, DJ will talk with you first thing in the morning. I better go home.